Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Good morning, everybody. So happy to see you today, all your beautiful faces. Hold one moment. Having to get my water open. Um, I do want to give you a couple of dates for those of you who may have missed it. Today is the last day of sisterhood until January the 17th. We will reconvene at that time and kick off a brand new winter semester called Life in the Kingdom. And it is going to be awesome. Uh, Nicole sort of briefly just did a little introduction for it and you didn't even know it. Because you know what? Most of us live beneath what our inheritance is in the kingdom. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what is actually in the kingdom of God that is ours, that we are not laying hold of and taking hold of and taking as our own. And how many things we leave on the shelves. Like if you were told to go into a store and you could take, you know, all this stuff was free and it was yours that somebody already paid for it and you could have all this stuff and you walked out with like one thing, that's just dumb, right? Like you should get all the things. You should get all the things that, that was, pa- all the booty, all the booty, all the treasure. That's what life in the kingdom, that's what it's about. And I'm not, I'm not talking about name it, claim it, whatever that is. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what Jesus died to give you an eye. He didn't die to give us an orphan spirit. He didn't die to leave us with a religious, awful spirit. He came to give us righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what is ours, and we're going to lay hold of it in the winter semester, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a very encouraging, hope-filled way to start the new year, right? Because how many of y'all know we need a little bit of encouragement, don't we? Yeah, because times are stormy. They're shaky, and, um, but we have a Goshen. Do not be afraid. God will hide us away in his Goshen, just like he did, just like he did Moses and the Israelites. So awesome. Uh, The other thing is we are going to have, you know about the Christmas market. We talked about that on Sunday. We are also having our Christmas service for Life Church is on the 23rd of December. There are two services for you. It's just two, right? At four and six that afternoon, it will be Christmas candlelight, all the carols, all the things for your family. It will be awesome. And so you want to make a note of that because it's not on Christmas. Eve or Christmas Day. It's on the 23rd. So that way our staff and and all of the people can be with their families on the holiday. So that's so good. So let's open up in prayer and get right to it today, okay? Father, I thank you so much for our time here today, for this room full of women, literally full this morning, of women who have come to learn more of you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your story and that you invited us and still invite us to partake and be a part of your story, his story, that we get to step into our place in your story. And we thank you for your kindness, Lord. Father, I ask for the anointing to be here today that would illuminate uh, your word, your spirit, uh, revelation, that the spirit of revelation would be here, that, that all of us would go home with an aha moment today, that each one of us would have something in our pocket, in our booty, in our treasure that we didn't have before. 
So we thank you for it, Lord. We ask that you would be glorified here in us, among us, and through us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So we are closing out this week. This is week 11. Well done, y'all. Y'all, we've been on a journey, right, with Moses. It has been a journey. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just recap our last 10 weeks. So week one was just the introduction, so that one doesn't matter. But week two, Michelle did this beautiful, how many of you are here for that message? That message was a beautiful overview, almost like from an Old Testament survey point of view, she gave a beautiful picture of the life of Moses and the significance of him. Then in week three, we talked about those Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua, or whatever their unfortunate names were, but they were awesome. You know, they were amazing. And then week four, we talked about the women in Moses's life, right? His mother, right? His sister and Pharaoh's daughter and all the part that each one of them played in his life. And then week five, we talked about having new eyes. Gina spoke about the burning bush and about how Moses had to see again. He had to look again. God wants each one of us to look again at what he's showing us all along the way. Then week six was the 10 plagues. I'll never forget that. It's like, wow, that was crazy to me. Week seven, Moses and the Red Sea, the epic story, the Hollywood tale of Moses and the Red Sea. Week eight, Andrea and Jess, beautiful, about being mindful, being mindful about what God is showing and doing all along the way. They also talked about the burning bush. They talked about being still before the Lord and how he can speak to us in those places to be careful, be mindful of what our mind is full of, Right? to watch that. Week nine, we talked about Moses, Mount Sinai, and the Ten Commandments, but even better, we talked about Mount Zion, the beautiful city of David, the beautiful city of our Lord Jesus, and how, how if you, you know, the lesser than signs and the greater than signs, you know, in math, you know, the greater, it's greater than, you know, Mount Zion is so much greater than Mount Sinai. And but both were both God used both of them. And then last week, Nicole brought the overarching theme of the book of Deuteronomy, which we're going to carry on today as we close it out. Wasn't that awesome last week? Whoo, that was really good. So, y'all, we've been journeying for three months with these Israelites. I feel like we've been out there, like, okay, here we go. Oh, this needs a little zhuzhing. This, you know what I'm talking about, you know. You can tell they had youth here, and there's not been any, there's not been any zhuzhing of our, yes. For those of you listening by podcast, I just had to fluff the pillows um, for a moment. So back in June, I felt like, uh, I actually wrote it in my journal, that's how I know, June 1st, I felt the Lord's leading to do this series on Moses, and I did not know at the time how timely it would be with everything that's happening in our world right now. I I didn't know that. But you know, there's a passage that says God never does anything without first sharing it with his servants, the prophets. And I believe that God has been giving hints all along the way at what is to come. We are entering a new era. If you don't feel it, wake up because we are going into it. The alarm clock is going off. It's already gone off. It's already gone off. So I need you to get up, get your clothes on, let's get ready. Because we're, we're getting ready to move into a new time of humankind, of humanity. We're getting ready in the earth to do that. So today we're going to wrap up our series and take a deeper dive into the book of Deuteronomy. And all that was happening in Moses' life 
during that time. So we learned last week from Nicole, the word Deuteronomy just simply means to say it again, to repeat. That's what that huge word means. So I guess they couldn't call that book in the Bible, say it again, the book of say it again. So it's the bit one more again. We're going to go one more again around it. So in this book, we see exactly that that's what Moses is exactly doing. It is a plea, as Nicole said last week, for obedience and um, to obey the Lord and to listen to him. It is Moses' plea to them. Literally, he's pleading with them. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Deuteronomy 7, and we're going to read verses 6 through 9. We've got some passages today that we're going to get into. I should have marked mine. I'm sorry I didn't. Verse 6 says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The God, the Lord your God, has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the people who, is, who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you, And kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant to and loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So this chapter 7 is sort of, in my Bible, it's titled, A Chapter of Warnings. So here we have, uh, what God is doing is he's telling us, here is what's going to happen, and here is what I want you to do. In verse 6 through 9 that we just read, he gives them their identity. Who are they? They are a holy people. A holy people. It's like he is holding up this giant mirror and saying, look at yourselves, Here is what you really are. You're a holy people that is set apart unto the Lord. Here's who you are. Not because you're anything special, but because God decided to set his love upon them. That is powerful. And he's saying, never, ever forget who you are. Holding the mirror up in front of them. He's proclaiming the Lord is his great love for his people. Not because they have done anything special, but because that is simply his heart's turn toward his people. this, This book is a type of memorial day. It is a remembrance. It is an honoring of the Lord, as you will soon see. Now, Moses's life is broken up into three segments of nearly exactly 40 years each. The first segment was spent in Egypt as a member of Pharaoh's family. So we know all about that. Remember the smoky eye and the whole, you know, all all the things. Yeah, that he grew up in that household. The second segment of his life, the next 40 years, he lived a private family life in the land of Midian. We, we know that he was a shepherd. The Bible tells us he was, he was tending sheep and he was taking care. He was out. Basically, Midian was kind of like a desert. It was kind of like a wilderness land. The third segment of his life, he lived 40 years from God's calling of him at the burning bush all the way till his death at Mount Nebo. So it's broken up into 
to three 40-year segments. His life went from a basket in the Nile River to Mount Nebo, where our story and the book of Deuteronomy all takes place there. Now, the Israelites are camped at this time by the Jordan River. Um, They are just across from the promised land in a land called Moab. And they're just across from this, you know, they have to cross the river, right, to get to the promised land. We all know that. And after finally, can you not imagine? They're probably thinking, finally, finally, after all this. I mean, it's been a minute since they crossed the Red Sea. 40 years. Some of y'all aren't even 40 years old. Some of y'all, not even 40 years old. 40 years. I mean, I bet they were like, Phew, we, I think we are actually going to get to go in this time. I mean, you know, that, who in the world would even know, you know, what, what you would be thinking at that point. Very significant. And we see this transition beginning to happen here. Moses is slowly passing this leadership to Joshua. Joshua's name, Jesus, Right? You see the typecast there of all of that through. That should not be lost on you. Joshua in the natural is coming behind Moses in the great transition. Now, here at Sisterhood, when we're talking, sometimes we use a theological term called the law of first mention. But I will tell you, I think as significant as the first mention are someone's last words, especially when they're recorded in the Bible. I think it is just as important. They carry great significance. This book of Deuteronomy is written not for those people. It's written for the next generation. It's a posterity to their children and their children's children. It's to be left to them. That's what it actually is. It's all about them. And in the book, he restates, he says it again and repeats it over and over again. Here's the covenant and here are the promises of God to his people. Here's the covenant we have with him, and here are the promises of God that he has with his people. So it's, it's an amazing thing. Now, he reviews, Moses reviews the first four books that are written over 40 years of time. We know that. Last week, Nicole talked about it. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, uh, sorry, Leviticus, Numbers. We know that. You know, he's, he, he recorded the first words in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And here we are. He's getting ready to have his last words. So it's amazing. Deuteronomy is flat out what us country girls would call preaching. Like, shake that bush. Get it handled. I mean, it has no stylistic anything to it. It is Moses just preaching, 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 preaching. It is powerful. And anytime you go back and look at Deuteronomy, I hope you remember all of this, that this will come back to your mind. Here is who God is, and here is what he has done for us. It was a preaching of testimony. It was testimony. Here's who God is, and here's what he's done for us. Here's who he is, and here's what he's done for us. Here's who he is, here's what he's done for us. Teach your children, teach their children, never forget, and never stop telling it. Over and over and over. Awesome. He is preparing Israel in this book for the greatest day ever in their nation. Ever. It's awesome. It is amazing. It was time to go. It was time to go. The era was changing. It was shifting. Deuteronomy occurs 
in the last week of Moses' life, but listen to me, 90% of the book of Deuteronomy was written on his last day of his life. Now that is significant. Deuteronomy 34.7 says, this is important. Although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. His eyes were not dim, and his strength was not gone. He was not weak. On his 120th birthday, he wrote this book, and it is said that he gave this in three different sermons on that one day. The scribes, hundreds of them, followed him and wrote furiously. Every text I could find that talked about this time in history, this is what it is recorded. It is amazing. That's why I'm saying I hope in the years and days to come when you ever think about this book that you never see it with the same eyes that you have before. It is, I hope this deepens the revelation of what the book of Deuteronomy actually is. Now, the walls of Jericho, right, which were around, you know, their promised land. They had to, get, they had to do all that situation. But they could see it. They were 54 feet high, and they could see it from Mount Nebo. So Moses would climb the mountain, and he would see, right, he would get to see what God had promised to the people, And that is where he died. But he got to see it. He climbed to the top of the mountain and he could see into the promised land. Now we just read, he was not weak and his eye was not dim. That is awesome, isn't it? I don't know about y'all. I would like to go that way. It is amazing. That is just amazing to me. I love it so much. And you know, like Nicole said last week, you know, she played the Michael Bublé song that he was probably saying, and I'm feeling good. I mean, you know, he was like, I, I've done my, I've, I've done the deal. I've done my deal and I feel good. And I'm climbing to the top of this mountain and I'm going to be with my friend and my God forever and ever and ever and ever. And here we sit in the little a field house garage on Randall Parkway talking about Moses. It's amazing. From what I could find out about the geography of this area of Mount Nebo, it was a natural amphitheater. So as he spoke, the people could hear his voice for long, long ways away. People could hear him as he spoke these words, as he restated God's words to the people They could hear him plainly. The scribes, as I mentioned, they had a very accurate system for writing. It is fascinating. You should go do a study on that. It was way too much for me to get into. But that day, there were three messages preached, each of them two hours long. Y'all, Moses Moses preached six hours hours on his 120th birthday. That is, I mean, like that is just unbelievable. So let's get into some of the word. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6. And you can just write some of these down if you want me to just read them over you because I'm going to move through them pretty fast. 
Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Hear, O Israel, sorry, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This in Deuteronomy, that's where that scripture is. We hear Jesus repeat it over in the New Testament. I have a new covenant for you. I got, I got a new one. And he adds to it and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Powerful. Let's go to seven, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 15. And the Lord will remove from you. Now, this is a good one. Some of y'all need to lay hold of this right now. This is part of your kingdom inheritance. And the Lord will remove from you all sickness, and he will not put on you any of the harmful diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but he will lay them all on those who hate you. Now, I'm not calling for, you know, retribution and smiting and all of that, but you know, whatever God's going to do, he's going to do. Chapter 8, verse 18 says, but you shall remember the Lord your God, For it is he who has given you the power to make wealth that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. That's good news. If you're anti-wealth, I'll take yours. (laughs) Right? We got to live on this earth. Make it happen. Push the kingdom forward. That takes money, right? There it is. God's like, here it is. Here's Here's part of your deal. Here's part of your inheritance that you get. Chapter 20 going to read the first four verses. When you go out to battle against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of them. Uh, For the Lord your God who brought you up and out from the land of Egypt, he is with you. Now it will come about that when you are approaching the battle, the priest will come near and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, you are approaching the battle against your enemies today. Do not be faint-hearted. I say that to you, women of sisterhood. Do not be faint-hearted. I don't care what's happening in the world around us. Do not lose your courage and your heart. Take courage, my dear. Do not become faint-hearted. Do not be afraid. Do not panic. Do not tremble before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He fights for you against your enemy to save you. This is all in Deuteronomy. Powerful. Moses is like, here is who God is. Never forget it. And keep teaching it. Keep telling it. Keep passing it. Generation after generation. You know, in America, God used to be everywhere. I don't know about y'all's schools, but when I was growing up in elementary school and we went, we had junior high. We didn't have middle school. I've told y'all that before. We weren't cool enough for middle school. But when the junior high, you, I mean, they prayed every day. We did not start school before we prayed. That is not so anymore. And I went to the public school, but God was asked to leave the public square. And Moses did not want that to happen in Israel. He had already seen Egypt. He, he had already seen how that went down. He saw it. He was screaming, teach God's word to your children. Teach God's word to your children. Teach them. Don't let anybody teach them differently than you teaching them God's word. How many of you know in New Hanover County, the parents took the schools back? Yes, that is exactly what happened here last Tuesday. Amazing. He's saying, talk about the Lord night and day, night and day, night and day. When you rise, when you sit, when you eat, when you come in, when you go out, never stop talking to your children about the Lord. 
He should be woven into every single bit of your lives. And that's how you leave a legacy. Gina talked about that last night. We were at Celebrate Recovery. She had a beautiful word on legacy. It was so powerful. You know, build, it's our job to build respect in their hearts, in our children's hearts, in our grandchildren's hearts, for not just the house of God, but for God himself, to respect who God is, to know who God is. It is such an important thing. You know, if we would still do this today, we wouldn't see the actual moral rot. It is astounding to me what people are fighting for the right to do. I don't even understand it. Wickedness, injustice, lack, a loss of freedom, a loss of liberty all across the board. The murder of 63 million children and they're saying, give us more. We want more dead babies. We want more of them. We must have them. And it's the women, sadly. Utter destruction of souls and of our children. See, today we have educated fools that are teaching, that are teaching vileness. They are. They are. That's what's happening. And the vileness is going out. And we need a Moses moment to remind us again to never, never set God outside of the public square, to always invite him in. So let's now go to Deuteronomy 28. This was Moses' last message, and he preached this on the evening of the last day of his life. It is very powerful. I'm going to start a little bit backwards, if you will, because I want us to end on a good note, okay? So we're going to start at verse 15. It will come about if you will not obey the Lord your God to observe all his commandments and statutes with which I charge you today that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And here they are. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall you be in your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be your offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send upon you curses, confusion, rebuke in all you undertake to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence cling to you until he has consumed you from the land where you are entering. The Lord will smite you, there's the word, with consumption and with fever and inflammation, with fiery heat, with the sword and with blight and mildew, and they shall pursue you until you perish. Go down to verse 68 because I could not even stand to keep reading about all the curses, but they go on and on if you're really interested in those. And the Lord will bring you back to Egypt in ships. By the way, about which I spoke to you, and you will never see it again. And there you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but there will be no buyer. That is sobering. No bueno. No bueno. Nobody wants that, right? That's the deal for disobedience, and it is sobering. So let's flip the script. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. 
Here are the blessings for obedience. Now it shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you will obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall the os- your offspring be of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beast, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed you will be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. For the Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way, but they will flee from you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns, in all that you put your hand to. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you, I love that word, as a holy people, there it is again, to himself, as he swore to you, if you will keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. So all the people of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. Verse 11, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the offspring of your body, in the offspring of your beast, in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open for you a good, his good storehouse the heavens to give rain to your land in its season, to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. You shall be a Uh, only be above. You will not be underneath. And if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God today, which I charge you to obey them carefully and do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today to the right or to the left to go after other gods or to serve them. I want some of that. That's what I want. And I know you do too. I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm amongst a good company here. That doesn't that sound better. That's much better. Now, I want you to think for a second, hearing that in person. Moses, as the sun is setting, Moses begins to, he walks out, and for the last time, he speaks to the people of God. It would be the very last time that his words in the natural would be heard on the earth. And in this passage I just read, blessings on everything blessings everywhere, blessings on all that you do, blessings on all that you have, blessings, 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 and then the the decree of established. Established. You know, God wants to establish you and I in our lives. He doesn't want us swinging around from pillar to post, as my grandmother used to say, he wants us established and rooted, and he did them too. Moses was saying to them, he is God, he is good, and he is faithful to all generations. Amazing. So I want to close us out with just a few thoughts about Moses and his friendship with God. We cannot close this series without that. Deuteronomy 34, again, I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. I read that verse 7 to you. But it says, Now Moses went up from the plains of Moab, that's where they were camped, to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, and all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim, 
and Manasseh and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, and the Negev and the plain and the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give this to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor, but no man knows his burial place till this day. Although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim nor his vigor abated. So the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the land and for all the mighty power and for all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. That is amazing, isn't it? Oh, I love that so much. So it says, basically, what I read was that it is believed by many scholars that God secretly buried Moses himself to avoid any possibility of Israel going on later and making a shrine unto Moses and out of his burial place. God did not want that. He didn't want that to become a shrine, which is a place where you go and worship, right? You know, and I think that may be true, but I think that's only partially true. So if you would, um, I'm going to go over to the book of Jude, and I'm going to read verse, well, it's just got one chapter, but verse 9. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed or contended with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, he did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, that is significant because here we see the archangel Michael contending with the devil for Moses' body. He was guarding the body almost as a sentry, moved from the archangel position to a sentry, a guard, guarding the body. It is very amazing. God himself would bury Moses. That's something. Michael could have buried him, but God did it himself. There is no other time in the word of God that we are ever told that God buried a man, not even his own son. Wow. Wow. What a week for Moses, right? He was probably like, whew, this is intense. This is intense, all of this. The camps, they must have all felt it. They must have all felt it. You know that feeling. They knew what the Spirit of God, they knew what that felt like, remember? They'd been through all the ten plagues. They knew. They knew what that feeling was like. They must have felt it. 
Hundreds of scribes are said to have followed every step Moses took. And here we see the picture of a new era beginning with Joshua. The principles that are stated in Deuteronomy for 40 years in the wilderness are as such. Walk with God. Live by your convictions. Authenticity in your faith. Sage wisdom. Moses most definitely had that. And the focus was very, very clear. Stay true to all the holy principles that you have been taught. And then he said, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to repeat it again because it's time to go. It's powerful, isn't it? He's saying, go in and possess the land. Go in and possess the land. Let the blessings flow from this time and this place and then give it to the generations yet to come. Amen. Amen. Whew. Okay. So now we got our talk time questions. Oh, we have a few minutes. We have like 15 minutes. I'm going to read this to you. And so kind of take a note of it. So you remember it when you get in your group. As a child, were you taught the things of God? Were they spoken in your home and in your life as you went about your days? Or did you become a Christian and begin to hear about the statutes of the Lord, the precepts of God, as you became an adult? You know, which was it? Give, give a brief little bit of your personal testimony, and then I have something good to close it out with today. So, Eli, if you'll put a little worship music on. We do have a, a bit. We're going to pray a minute over just, just one thing that I had to pray about today. But I did want to say, I was just said this in kind of passing to Nicole and Gina, but, you know, it goes, you know, without saying, you know, as I've always thought about Moses prior to the study, I always was kind of like, eh. You know, I mean, you know, he just didn't, fin he didn't finish the deal. You know, he didn't, he didn't finish well. He, you know, he just didn't get to go over into the promised land. And that just bummed me out, you know, like what in the world? But, you know, he couldn't. I started thinking about this. Moses represented the law and the law wasn't going to the promised land. And so, you know, that when you think about that, it's a good way to Put that in your brain. So I'm going to read to you the very beginning. Now, this is not the passages of Joshua. It's what my Bible has in the text prior to it opening up with the first verse. Um, I am reading from um, the Hebrew Greeks Key Study Bible, and it is um, Spiros Zodhiates, who is a Greek scholar who wrote this, but he said, the book of Joshua describes the conquest of the land of Canaan under the leadership of Joshua, the successor of Moses. Joshua had been an excellent understudy of Moses throughout the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. He was with Moses at Mount Sinai when Moses received the Ten Commandments. Joshua was one of the 12 spies from Numbers, sorry, oh, wait, was one of, uh, from Numbers 13. Of the older generation, only he and Caleb were permitted to cross the Jordan River. Joshua was indeed a great man of tremendous faith, courage, leadership, ability, who believed that God could do what he promised. The Greek form of his name is Jesus. The deliverance which was begun in the book of Exodus was completed in the book of Joshua. 
Israel had to cross two bodies of water en route to their final destination, the first being the Red Sea and the second being the Jordan River. Many never made it past the second one because of their unbelief and disobedience. Joshua was victorious in destroying the Canaanites because of the new breed of Israelite, those who took God at his word. The main purpose of the book of Joshua was to show how God kept his original promise to Abraham and how the wicked were expelled. The children of those who had been redeemed out of Egypt by the blood of the Passover were now claiming the blessing of their redemption. Isn't that beautiful? I love that so much. I just think that it's just amazing. You know, I believe today God is calling up a new breed of Christian who will also take God at his word. Amen. So I'm going to pray for us as we close out. I do have a a point of prayer. Uh, There is an interfaith group that is traveling to Mount Sinai where they are going to make or they're going to attempt to make a new Ten Commandments. So we know that the Lord will frustrate their plans. There will be chaos and they will never come to fruition. But I want to cover that in prayer today, much like the Georgia Guidestones and other things that we know where this has been tried in the past. So we're going to stand in uh, faith today, just believing that God is who he said. We're going to take him at his word and he is going to let the enemy prosper none. And anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God is going to be destroyed. That goes for everything. So, Lord, right now, we lift this, uh, this, this group, this, this people up to you. We ask God before they get there to Mount Sinai that you'll give them revelation, that you'll reveal your true self to them in the name of Jesus, that you will open blind eyes, open up hearts, allow them to see, allow them to know the knowledge, the revelation that what they're doing is, is going to come to nothing in the name of Jesus. We speak frustration to the plans of the enemy. We speak confusion. We speak that there will be nothing fruitful that comes of this. There will be no Ten Ten Commandments. And Lord, we ask that you would establish this now in the heavenly places. God, I cover all the women. I cover our ministry here. I plead the blood of Jesus over all that you've given us here as the women of God, as the women of Life Church in Southeastern North Carolina. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in us among us and through us. I thank you, Lord, that you have led us on a journey together these three months. And now I ask that that be sealed in all of our hearts and our spirits, that you would bind us together, Lord, in love and in unity. I ask, Lord, that you would cause there all of these that are in this room or listening to my voice on the podcast, that they will walk in health and safety, that there will be no good thing withheld from them, and that they would prosper in all that they do. I pray a blessing on them and on their families, on their children and their children's children. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you for this day. And we just ask everything in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Go have some more coffee. Yes, thank you, guys. I love you so much.